So on Ash Wednesday, spoke about how the Lord requires prayer, fasting, and almsgiving during Lent. And that fasting isn't just simply fasting from the phone or fasting from sweets, but real bodily fasting. But then on Friday, um, I watched The Social Dilemma, and I know that I'm late to doing that because I'm late to doing everything, but I finally watched it. And while I was watching it, I almost, I had it playing. I wasn't really watching it. I was like listening to it, but I had it playing while I was driving. And uh, I wanted to pull over and throw up about three times during it because of how sickening the uh, industry is and what its goal is. So I want to talk about this at length. This is going to be a longer homily to talk about how social media and the aim of the phone is not that different from the goal of Satan himself in corrupting a soul. So the first thing that I want to talk about, the problem of social media, is the problem of purpose. What is the purpose of social media? What is the purpose of the phone? What is the purpose of all these apps? And it's interesting, because whenever these tech developers and um, the social women talked about these things, they talk about, like, what is, whenever you have an industry, you are trying to sell a product. And so in the oil industry, you're trying to sell barrels of oil. Um, in the textile industry, you're trying to sell textiles. But then any time that we consider ourselves the consumers of social media, but we haven't paid anything to open up a Facebook account. We haven't paid anything to open up an Instagram account. So who is the real consumer? And it's the advertisers. It's the advertising agencies. And what are they trying to buy? They are trying to buy human behavior and human attention. They are trying to puppeteer us. We ourselves are the product every time that we enter into Facebook. And we are being sold by Facebook to the advertisers. And what they're buying is our attention span. Now, that may not seem like much, but considering the volume with which we consume social media, the volume which we consume information on our phone, it begins to mold human consciousness. And also the things that we consume is first a problem. Because what we consume often on social media is nothingness. We watch seven second videos of cats, I don't know, like trying to dribble a basketball or something like that, and then flip on to, I don't know, somebody uh, talking in a really high pitched voice and talking in a really low pitched voice. Um, you know, the Babe Stop video, somebody showed me that the other day. Um, but we, we just consume nothingness. And every social media developer will tell you that what they're trying to do is race to the bottom of the brainstem. The, brains, the bottom of the brainstem being the place that plays upon our, our survival and base instincts. And so it makes us more and more animalistic. But what's most concerning is that it leads us into nothingness. Why is that concerning? Because God himself is being. God himself is life. God himself is truth. So when we are led into further and further into nothingness and meaninglessness and purposelessness, 
even though it might not be something as vile as pornography or as vile as, um, as murder or something that's just that degrades our soul, it's emptiness. And what emptiness is, is the place of hell. Because hell is the absence of God, the absence of being, the absence of life, the absence of truth. And so as we continue to consume social media more and more and more, even though we might do it innocently, we are preparing our souls for capacity of nothingness, capacity for hell. And so what is, though, the intentions of the developers, right? Because any time that you have human attention, you have to fill that attention with something. It can't only be nothingness. There's something else that has to uh, be filled. And so the developers have their own end in play here. And it's, again, to keep you and to keep me more and more on social media. And so how do they do that? They reinforce, there's something um, that's so true. Every human wants to look good, feel good, and be right. That's like our most base desires. We don't necessarily want to know the truth, but we do want to be right, or at least feel right. And so what is a developer going to do? What is this algorithm going to do, but keep on pumping our our minds with the information of opinions that we already agree with? The right becomes further entrenched upon the right. The left becomes further entrenched in the left. And so we get into these silos where whenever we interact with real human beings, it becomes increasingly difficult because we're each getting our own little information. And so it's hard to enter into dialogue. And so then what do I do once it's hard to enter into dialogue? Well, I can't find intimacy. So how am I gonna find intimacy? I'm gonna pick up the phone again. I'm just gonna scroll through. And that way I can be validated over Facebook, over Instagram, whatever it might be. And so then once I found intimacy there, I can now go back there and be further in my isolation, but then further track myself into the nothingness of hellish existence. And so how does this relate to the gospel that we hear? How does this relate to the activity of the devil? Well, first, is this drawing us to, to nothingness, as we said, is um, further our, furthering our journey into hell. But then this false validation that we get through statuses, tagged photos, filters, etc., all this makes oneself a spectacle from the parapet as the devil tempts Jesus. Make of yourself a spectacle. Jump from the temple of the parapet. We are not meant to consume the amount of validation that Facebook wants to have for us. Like, for instance, I personally, on my Facebook, I have 305 uh, souls in Facebook purgatory, like people whose friend requests that I, that I have not accepted. I cannot tell you 305 people that I know, you know? But still, it's like, yeah, Facebook purgatory, you know? I'll let you steal that. Um, so, but, but we're not, if I have 1,700 friends or something like that, and then I post a photo or a status, and 300 people like that, that seems to be a lot. Then there's 1,400 people who don't like it. Man is not meant to grow up like that. Family is the building block of society. 
We're not meant to know what 300 different people or 1,700 people think about what we do. To be under that kind of scrutiny and to have our validation, our, our identity validated so quickly and so clearly means that we'll go back to that further more and more and more, and then we are validated by a screen rather than by a person. And so it makes it increasingly difficult to live in real human society because the validation is clear on Facebook, it's clear on Instagram. The other thing that it does is that it reinforces our view of the world. So we heard in the first reading that Eve has her doubts. She has her view of what could possibly, who God possibly could be. And what the serpent does is that he enforces his doubts. He says, you really say that you can't eat any of the fruit of the tree? What Facebook does, what Instagram or whatever platform that we're using does, is that it reinforces our already erroneous opinions, but if there are opinions, then it makes us feel good. It makes us feel accompanied in our opinions. So often in the political dialogue that happens today, people are not looking for truth. They're looking for belonging. And even the social media platforms belong some, provide some sense of idea belonging. The next thing is urgency. So I watched this, this uh, documentary on Friday. On Saturday, I just put my phone down and I, I put my phone on loud so that I wouldn't have to check unless somebody rang me. And then I just kind of like kept a mental, an approximate like mental note of how many different things like popped up. I had like 15 news articles that popped up about things that I didn't care about or things that I did care about. I don't know, but I knew to swipe them. But the thing was, swipe them away. The thing was that the way that the devil works and the way that the phone works is not all that different to get us urgent about things that are not that important. Notice the urgency that the devil works with in the desert. That he makes you just say, run the world right now. You know, be king of the world right now. Rather than Jesus drawing all men to himself whenever he goes to his cross. Why don't you turn this stone to bread right now? Rather than Jesus turning his body into the bread of life. That the devil loves to work with urgency about things that can wait and things that will uh, get done in the future. And so it is, these developers know the same thing. The developers play upon our weaknesses. The second thing, it's not just the problem of purpose, of what the purpose of social media is, and that they try to, is that social media on the phone tries to sell human attention, monetize human attention, but it's the problem of power. The problem of power. Whenever, um, maybe like 10, maybe 15 years ago, a movie with Will Smith came out called iRobot. And the premise was, man had created these really intelligent robots. They became so intelligent that this artificial intelligence now governs society. And so they rule society from the top down, from the outside in. And what they did was they made these humans stay in their homes while they said whether it was safe. Now we can talk about the parallels with that, with like coronavirus, but that's not the point. The point is, is that a lot of times we'll look at that and say, like, see, look, artificial intelligence isn't really like that, you know? And it never, and it may not ever get to that point. But the reality is that's not how the devil works. Few times does the devil actually possess a soul. 
You know, is there like demonic possession in a soul? The way that the devil usually enslaves people is that he finds their human weakness through the data that the person gives by being attracted to a lesser good, whether it's through lust, whether it's through envy, pride, gluttony, any of the the deadly sins. And then provides that, makes that easier for that person to consume so that they choose the chain of slavery that they want. And then the devil remains silent and lets the person be happily enslaved. This is how social media works as well. That we're constantly being fed the things that we like so as to bring us back to the social media platform. And because of that, we are now becoming dull as a society. What artificial intelligence has done is that it's not actually become human. It's that it's made humans artificial. It's made us into computers. And so the way in which artificial intelligence runs the world is that it runs the world not from the outside in, from the top down, but from the bottom up and from the inside out. And that all of our attitudes are being molded by the things that only we consume. And because we are the only ones consuming it on our private devices, it makes it that much harder to enter into civil discussion and conversation with the world. And so it's harder to maintain civilization. The way in which social media rules is through chaos. One of the things that that the Social Dilemma documentary brought up in this country, Myanmar, whenever you buy a phone, you get that phone from the store, the employee automatically takes your information and sets up a Facebook account for you. And one of the things that happened in Myanmar is that there were a bunch of, a certain uh, sect of Muslims that because Facebook is able to take news and filter it and take you know, a lot of fake news, because obviously these computers that run Facebook aren't able to discern what's true and false, um, took all this news, basically uh, hateful news against these Muslims, to where many were raped, murdered, and, um, and abducted. So that 700,000 had to flee the country. That whole country only understands the internet through Facebook. And it's not because Facebook necessarily plotted this, but from the inside out, there, caught, there was an insurrection. But then thirdly, there's the problem of our purpose. So social media has its purpose. Social media desires its power that we give it, like we give to the devil himself whenever we are choose slavery through mortal sin. But what about us? Because we are the acting ones here. What about our purpose? Now, I think we've all had conversations about social media, and no matter how horrible we can agree that it can be at times in the addiction, so like, well, what's the problem with the addiction? You know, like with alcohol addiction, at least somebody's going to feel bad. With, if there's some kind of, uh, like adultery or something like that, it's going to divide the family. A drug addiction will certainly divide the family. But what will the social media addiction do? Why is it so bad? And that is the problem, is that we've been accustomed with nothingness. Unlike Jesus, who is driven into the desert by the spirit to fight the devil, the devil has gradually lulled us back into the desert. We're like, well, what's the problem with the desert? You know, like we've been here for so long. We've been around nothingness for so long. We're not able to engage 
in what purpose is because we don't value our own human attention. And here's the problem of purpose. We no longer value our own human attention. Attention is the most precious thing that we can give to God because attention is what we give to God whenever we enter into eternal life, whenever we gaze upon the face of the Father in the beatific vision. Attention is what we give God when we give him our worship. But attention is the one thing that social media and the phone and, and every YouTube, all these different apps, desire from us. But we give it about so freely and so distractedly that we don't even know what it's for anymore. Our attention is for contemplating truth and, and the mind for finding its rest in truth itself, God himself. And so as prayer, fasting, and almsgiving have to do with the three things that the three parts of man that God desires. God desires our intellect, he desires our will, and he desires our appetites. We need to look at social media as well as having a certain morality about it. First, what social media does to our intellect. It makes our intellect tend toward nothingness. Again, we have the culture of just looking at vines or TikToks. It's like, all I need is about a minute and a half of attention. And so if someone were to suggest that we pray for an hour a day, for 30 minutes a day, even for 10 minutes a day, that would immediately make us bristle. But the reality is, if I were to tell you, you should pray an hour a day, you know, or if your conscience were to tell you, you should pray for an hour a day, we would bristle at that. The only thing that we need to do is open up our settings and look at our screen time and see if that's reasonable. Do I give more time to absolute nothingness than I do to being himself, to God himself? If so, there's a problem. Social media makes us incapable of prayer. It makes us incapable of our last end, of eternal life, whenever we indulge in it more than we do with prayer. The other thing that it does, as far as the will, as far as almsgiving, is that it obviously filters intimacy. Whenever someone, it is almost impossible for a group of people nowadays to go into a restaurant, sit at a table, and to have a conversation and to bear each other's presence. We can't do it. We have to filter each other's presence through picking up our phones, through showing something else. How weird is that? That whenever we want intimacy, we're actually bristled in each other's presence. It's like the responsibility of someone in front of me is too much for me to handle. I can only handle them through the screen. And so it's so much easier to respond to a text and to be present to someone that way because they have so much less responsibility, so much less needs in front of me than the person who is in front of me. And because of that, although we are more connected to each other from a distance, we are certainly less connected up front. And because it filters intimacy, it breeds that isolation, it breeds that hellish existence. The other thing that it does is that it makes it really difficult just to talk to people. If someone's holding a newspaper, I know they're reading the news. If someone is holding a textbook, I know they're studying. But if someone is holding their phone, I have no idea what they're doing. They could be doing something really important. They could be doing something that's not important at all. And so it makes it increasingly difficult to meet somebody. The weirdest thing, I know for me personally, why I have so many souls in Facebook purgatory, 
is now the norm, is that you Facebook friends request someone that you've never spoken to before and then get to know them that way. That's so strange. So it filters intimacy and makes it almost impossible. The third thing, as far as our appetites, is that it indulges our senses. The social development begins with this media ethicist, and he talks about how at Google, there are about 50 developers from the age of 20 to mid-30s, and they are about to affect human consciousness of 2.8 billion people by the color that they choose when creating the Gmail app. I mean, I know, like whenever I was in high school and just having a, like a brick Nokia, there was some appeal about going to the bathroom and just, you know, sitting down and going through contacts. There was like a little bit of appeal, you know, but you knew like there was gonna be no new contact that popped up. But there is a very gluttonous appeal to seeing that refresh button and those vibrant colors of different apps be presented to us and just to see the slot machine go. It's, we indulge our senses in that way. And so, conclusion, in conclusion, I'm not calling the phone the devil, but I do think that the purposes of the devil and the phone, at least their ends, are not so different. Again, the phone is not just another tool. The smartphone is not just another tool. The, phone, the smartphone is not a bicycle where I pick it up and I put it down, it remains in the garage, but I don't touch it. It's always listening, it's always trying to get our attention so that it can sell advertisements, so that it can sell us to the advertisements. And what it sells is our attention, which in a sense is the most precious thing that humans have. Because through our attentions, uh, attention, we offer prayer to God. And so what the devil does as well is that he tries to grab our attention through different worldly allurements. But we have to recognize that it's not only the devil and the phone that is fighting for our attention. That the good news is that God is doing it as well. And though the devil has driven us into the desert of nothingness through social media, the spirit has driven Jesus into the desert to fight the devil. And that the precise way in which Jesus overthrows the devil is that he says yes to God in human weakness. Notice that the devil only approaches Jesus when he's hungry. Jesus, in saying yes to God in the midst of human weakness, gives us the ability to when we are tempted, because we constantly are tens, 20, maybe 30 times a day to just foster this social media and phone addiction that we can at least turn to Jesus in prayer just to keep a rosary in your pocket and just to turn to him and give him a firm yes in moments of weakness. And this is the way that Jesus teaches us the devil is overthrown. This is the way in which saints are made. So we ask that the Lord can claim him for ourselves, that we not be claimed by the world of social media, that we not be claimed by through any mortal sin that the devil may offer us, that he can claim us and that we can continue to say yes to him in moments of weakness, moments of trial, recognizing our own slavery, recognizing that he wishes to liberate us and to make us saints throughout this land.